This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to For Your Benefit, presented by NITP, the federal leader in retirement planning seminars sponsored by WEPA. Join NITP for an hour of plain talk on planning your future. You've got questions, they've got answers. Welcome to the July 17, 2023 For Your Benefit radio show. We're here today with Justin Dean, Certified Financial Planner. And the rallying cry is, don't let your investments go on vacation. All right, so how do, how do we keep them awake rather than out having fun? Well, hello, Bob. It's good to uh, connect with you this morning. Yeah, yeah. While there, I thought we weren't, but anyway, I'm glad we're on the air in the nick of time. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Nancy. Absolutely. So, well, Bob, our topic today, don't let your investments go on vacation, is not a new one, but I thought since we've gained at least some space from the COVID-19 pandemic, summer travel is heating up, right? And while our listeners might be eager to hit the road you want to make sure that your investments do not necessarily take that vacation right so i I thought it would be appropriate for us to spend some time this morning thinking about how our investments can better work for us a bit more consistently and think about how this can happen what do you think i think it sounds great but uh, you know vacations probably when we're on vacation, some people will track their investments. Most will track fun. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So it's interesting, Bob, as I as I think about the summer travel season, it's been said that over $100 billion is typically spent on vacation and, and travel. So I often will compare preparing for certain goals, especially retirement as a vacation. Now, certainly a number of retired investors will pursue different hobbies, activities, and and passions, but there is this uh, sense of a vacation, obviously, from our professional work and and our our normal lives. So I wanted to offer our, our listeners just a few simple tips that they might consider as they prepare for that particular goal. Now, Bob, as is often in life, what appears to be simple in theory, I I find is is difficult to really put into practice. So I've got a couple of uh, bullet points that that we can can talk through this morning. The the first of of which I would suggest is is knowing your, your destination. Right now, that that mean that may seem a, a bit silly as we're preparing for uh, retirement, but we we gotta we gotta obviously know where we're we're going. Uh, if you don't know where you want to go, then it doesn't matter which path you you take. <laughs> this bit of of wisdom is paraphrased from from that classic children's book, Alice and, and Wonderland, which may be appropriate for, say, hikers who are exploring a, a new landscape. But as an investor, it, it matters a great deal which path you take. If, if you only dabble in investing, occasionally putting some money into one investment or another, it will be difficult to build a portfolio that's consistently working in your best interest. So. It is important that you understand where you are today so that you know where you're where you're headed, right? Right. So so now go. Yeah, so how do we how do we do that, Bob? Well, I would suggest there are a few simple tools that our our listeners may want to uh to use and consider. The first is really understanding what your what your goals are. Now, again, this might seem like a pretty simple piece of advice, but I find most investors seem to take a bit more of a reactive approach. 
So some of the more successful investors and households with whom I work will literally schedule a regular family business meeting, say with a spouse, a significant other or or partner, right? So we we want to think at least annually about what our short-term goals are. Um, maybe there are some things that that our listeners want to accomplish within the next couple of years. It might be taking a vacation since uh, so much of our travel was was limited during the course of the pandemic. Um, there are, of course, other intermediate term goals that you might want to accomplish within the next five to, let's say, 20 years. That might include saving for your child's education. And then obviously there are longer term goals like saving for retirement or Bob, it might even include living in retirement as so many people are spending just as much time in their retirement years as they did in their working years. So it's hard, is it hard to get them to focus then on the retirement needs rather than the work needs? I would agree. I find that with investors, there's so many different competing priorities. So just sitting down and, and maybe even writing them out, uh, that tends to be a nice way to organize uh, our, ourselves around what is most important, because obviously those goals are, are and objectives are going to change year over year. You mentioned a term, I believe, at the start of the show, something called net worth. So, you know, you hear some luminary has a net worth of da-da-da-da, but net worth can be something very small, uh, beginning career, mid-career gets bigger, uh, ending career, hopefully it's big enough. So how do you, how does somebody that isn't necessarily inclined to do this, how do they do it? Or of course, who do they come to see other than a certified financial planner? And I think the initials are JBD. Mm -hmm. Well, Bob, I appreciate that question. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> I appreciate the question. So your your net worth is is really just a fancy description of a balance sheet, right? So this is one of the best ways that investors can really understand where they are from a financial perspective, whether they are new to federal service or, as you suggested, maybe they're maybe they're. Uh, in their later uh, years in, in service, and maybe they just have a couple of years left before they're considering retirement. So there's a pretty simple calculation that we use. Your net worth equals your assets or the resources that you have minus or less your liabilities, which just a, is a fancy word that means your, your debt or, or loans. So I typically will encourage investors to calculate their net worth, at least on an annual basis, uh, so that they can determine where they are, but they can also, Bob, compare that to those goals or those objectives that they've determined are appropriate. Now, there are a, a few ways that you can do this. You can certainly uh, uh, simply write out those assets and liabilities on a simple sheet of paper. Of course, there are other more sophisticated uh, ways to track net worth. Uh, there are a number of online tools and resources. Uh, some investors may even be comfortable using spreadsheets or Excel. Uh, some online programs allow you to literally import data from a variety of sources so that you can track your net worth on a, a daily basis if, if needed. And of course, one of the, the most popular objectives among investors is to build and increase their net worth as they save and pay down and otherwise eliminate debts that they have. So, but does the average person that you talk to, and you talk to a lot of people annually at uh, webinars and seminars, um, what, what do you find sometimes are the best questions because you would think, gee, doesn't everybody know that? Um, 
you and I might travel in a different world, but not everybody speaks um, investment ease. Yeah, this is a good question. So as it relates to knowing your destination, I'm often surprised that, and this is a really uh, a simple example, but I'm surprised and often frustrated that most investors don't necessarily understand what their average monthly spending is. Now, this actually gets Bob to uh, one of the other resources that I wanted to reference, and that is a, a, a budget. Um, what some describe as a as a cash flow analysis. Now that sounds really fancy, but although this might not necessarily be broker uh, speak, uh, it is really important that our our listeners and the average investor understands what he or she is spending. Um, what I have found over the years, Bob, is that what most people think they spend is starkly different than what they're actually spending. So in addition to understanding your net worth and your financial position, we gotta know what's coming in versus what's going out. And that is not only a great indication of, our, of your current position, whether you have a shortfall, which hopefully you don't, many consumers here in the US complain that they are living paycheck to paycheck, right? And that scenario, of course, has its own interesting challenges in that if someone in this predicament uh, finds themselves with some type of unanticipated expense or maybe an emergency, most likely they may not necessarily have adequate or appropriate savings. So they may have to use a credit card uh, to uh, address those expenses, which clearly we we diligently work to to avoid. And you know, Bob, in many of the seminars that I teach and work with our federal government employees, um, thankfully there are a number who do enjoy a, a surplus and maybe have additional funds that they might be able to put to use in, in better ways. So um, yes, this. This idea of a budget and understanding spending is is really important, not only for the working investor, but certainly as we enter into and enjoy retirement. What do you find in your tutelage that the, the people you're working with go, gee, I didn't know you could do that, or tell me how to better invest my money? That, that's, you know, we could go for the rest of the day on, on, on that last comment. Um, but what do you, uh, you know, the financial literacy level clearly varies, but it seems to be right. there and a, and a much larger percent than a lot of other things as far as money goes. So I'll give you a couple of, of uh, examples of perhaps some things that are easy to overlook uh, for some of our listeners. Uh, one, of, of course, is the catch-up contribution that is uh, eligible or available uh, for TSP participants age 50 and, and older. And I know that you and I talk about this quite a, quite a bit, uh, but uh, the year in which our uh, participants turn 50, they have a catch-up contribution that allows them this year to contribute an additional $7,500 to their thrift savings plan. Now, I didn't make up that term, but the idea is that as we enter into our 50s, Bob, we're in our higher income and savings years. I think this is uh, a, a very important benefit and advantage to uh, many of our federal uh, government employees who are are looking to more aggressively save for retirement and something that's easy to overlook. So I will encourage all of our listeners, regardless of uh, where they are in their own unique planning, um, I'll, I'll encourage them to revisit their 
saving or what we call their deferral rate, they want to check that every every year, at least once a year. And I would encourage them with cost of living adjustments and maybe professional advancements in their career to consider increasing uh, that savings rate. So that is something that surprisingly I find is, is overlooked. The other uh, example that I would cite is confusion around the term risk tolerance. Now, to your point, we could talk a whole lot about this, but your risk tolerance, Bob, is essentially your thoughts, feelings, and emotions around fluctuations that we have and in inevitably will encounter in our investment. So many of our listeners have certainly experienced moderate to even large swings in the value of their TSP and other savings and investment accounts. So what I find, Bob, is that most people think they are much more comfortable with risk and fluctuations than they actually are. So I will encourage, especially in a, in a challenging market as we've endured over the last year and a half, investors may want to have a think about their unique risk tolerance and make sure that their investment mix or strategy is aligned with that comfort level. And again, I think these are uh, some clear and, and pretty simple examples of things that can easily be overlooked by the average investor. Very good. I think it's time now to take a break and let the listeners know more about the sponsor of the show, WEPA. Times have changed, but WEPA's mission remains the same, to promote the health, welfare, and financial well-being of civilian federal employees. WEPA offers group term life insurance to civilian federal employees with up to $1.5 million in coverage, regardless of salary. As a WEPA member, you can access exclusive rates and benefits not available to the general public. How does this compare to Fegley? Unlike Fegley, WEPA's coverage amounts are not capped by your salary. WEPA will cover your family as well. For your children, WEPA offers double the benefits that Fegley offers. And for your spouse, WEPA offers 20 times more coverage than Fegley. 20 times more coverage! WEPA's coverage is also portable if you decide to leave the federal government or retire. You can even supplement or replace your existing policy. See how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. Welcome back to For Your Benefit. We're here today. Uh, today, what's today? Today is the day we're talking about financial planning with Justin Dean. Justin is a certified financial planner. We've been working together for years at NITP, pretty much doing what we're doing today, trying to um, educate the listeners. So where do we leave off? Well, Bob, we were talking about the importance of knowing your destination, which I guess is a good place to start if we're going on vacation and certainly important as we think about our investment strategy. Now, our second point that I think might be helpful for our listeners is to think about how to best avoid distractions and even accidents. Now, Bob, I'm going to admit something to you. When I travel, especially when I'm on a long car ride, sometimes I tend to get bored, but I might also tend to get a little distracted. Okay, I'm hopeful I'm not the only one that's guilty of that. But I got to say, from an investment and financial planning perspective, there are certainly distractions and even accidents that we probably should look to avoid. So shall we talk about a few of those? Please. All right. So I would say that the, the first tip here, I would encourage our listeners to avoid chasing after hot investments, pun intended. You know, many times you'll hear about a hot investment, usually a, a stock, maybe an initial public offering. However, Bob, by the time you hear about such an investment, it may already be cooling off. Even more importantly, it 
might not have been appropriate for your needs and any investment that is either flamed out or wasn't right for you in the first place likely won't be a hard worker in your portfolio. So I would encourage our clients or our, our listeners rather to uh, avoid uh, some of those uh, late breaking fads that certainly do distract investors and, and steal the attention um, across the headlines. So if, if uh, taking what you just said up, you know, I might be listening there and say, listen, you know, I've, I've got um, a lot of time. And as I go, th go through my uh, grade increases, um, I'm, I'm going to catch up in another uh, five, ten years. Uh, the, and the probability of that happening probably isn't great. That is right. Yeah, typically, Bob, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So I would encourage our listeners to stick with good quality investments. Now, thankfully, within the Thrift Savings Plan, we've got four, five core mutual fund investment options that really do allow investors an opportunity to diversify across the all of the major asset classes and categories. So again, we want to avoid some of those distractions that might promise more lucrative returns. Now, the other tip that I would offer for our listeners this morning is don't stop investing. Now, this can be really difficult to do, especially during periods of volatility. Last year, the U.S. stock market declined some 20%. And that was really frustrating and scary uh, for many investors. They may have been tempted to lower their regular savings strategy or maybe even suspend uh, the, those regular additions to their TSP and other investments. After all, it can be pretty uh disheartening to see the value of your investments fall or decline day after day, week after week, maybe even month after month. Perhaps the investors should simply wait until things improve. But I want to encourage investors that those regular pullbacks or downturns really do offer an opportunity and a unique opportunity at that to add and buy more shares of those good quality investments. So although it may seem counterintuitive, you really want to make sure that you are maintaining a regular uh, investment strategy and you're not allowing some of these short-term events that I believe can so easily distract and oftentimes uh, even lead you away from what you are looking to accomplish. Are you following that up? Uh, if we were to look at investors maybe in three different categories, uh, beginning career, not, not right away beginning career, say five years or so more into it, then we get to a mid-career standpoint, and then we get to a pre-retirement. Now, along the way, it's good to start at the beginning, however small it may be, or however large it might be, at uh, the beginning amount that you would feel comfortable investing. And then habits are tough to break with is when you don't necessarily want to break because you wanted to have a habit of investing. Now, how hard is it? I won't say how hard. How, how have you found people that maybe weren't so good managing money but wanted to um, um, turn to your good knowledge? Um, what do you find maybe the common denominator of the new person coming in that, you know, has a little clue but doesn't have much of a clue? Yeah, this is a good question. So my initial response is it's important to understand the investment opportunities that are available, right? So as we think about planning for retirement, Bob, that employer-sponsored TSP is absolutely paramount 
for our listeners, um, ensuring that they are really maximizing their savings to that plan. Most financial advisors in my seat will recommend that an annual savings rate of about 10 to 15% is not only a healthy annual contribution rate for retirement, but it's certainly respectable uh, with the understanding that uh, the TSP participant will increase that savings rate year over year. Ideally, all of our listeners would be maximizing uh, their TSP as they consider their individual contribution limits. Now, Bob, I have yet to meet an investor who, who has complained about having too much money in retirement. Now, if you happen to meet or know that, that person, I would respectfully ask for an introduction. <laughs> Very subtle. <laughs> and, and, and they're out there. I'm, I'm not a financial planner. I kind of sort of understand it. Um, but I would feel ill at ease when somebody said, what should I do? And I said, call Justin. So it is important for investors to recognize their comfort level in this space. You know, oftentimes, Bob, uh, in our, many of our seminar participants will say, well, do I really need a financial advisor or professional help? And I personally and, and certainly professionally don't think that every investor requires professional assistance. Uh, some of our listeners even this morning may have the time, the interest, and are maybe even willing to conduct the necessary research to gain a certain level of expertise, and that's fine. I certainly do enjoy uh, talking to those individuals, but what I believe to be the greatest challenge with making some of those decisions on our own is that we humans tend to be a bit emotional, especially when it comes to money matters and even investing. So it has been said that when we make investment decisions, we typically do from one of two places, either fear or greed. Now, if you are working with a financial advisor or perhaps a CFP like myself, yes, I may care for those investors, uh, but I am most concerned with their objectives and what they're looking to accomplish. Bob, I really don't care how they feel about those goals. So from my work, over the last 16 years, I, I recognize that the role of the financial advisor is to really provide a more objective third party perspective for the investor, which can not only help them to accomplish those goals, but help to identify some of those distractions and accidents that we've talked about uh, this morning. All right. Well, in, in your discussion uh, with clients, as well as your discussion with um, people going through the retirement seminars, um, <clears throat> I would imagine there's a certain percent that come in. Say, I, I think I know I know this. And again, it's probably a small percent of the population. And then there's another one that says, I kind of sort of understand where do I go for help? Um, and, you know, they got the TSP, which is one of the great investment vehicles out there. But do you come across many that don't appreciate, that poor choice of words, that don't fully understand the opportunities to move the money around at different investment levels and risk levels? Not risky, but risk. Oh, absolutely. So let me give you a, a good example of this. I had, uh, this was years ago, a, a TSP participant, uh, she had been saving as part of the thrift for many, many years, and she simply wanted to get a second opinion on her, her overall financial plan. Uh, she was about a, a year out from retirement. Now, Bob, she was very ex ex uh, clear with me that she was very risk averse. She compared investing to going to Vegas and playing the slot machines, which interestingly enough is 
a sentiment that that some investors share. So uh, she provided me her recent quarterly TSP statement and wanted some feedback. Well, Bob, much to my surprise, over 90% of her thrift was sitting in the G fund, which we know and understand to be the government securities investment fund. We often will compare that to an interest bearing savings account. Now, through careful explanation, I was able to share with this investor that although I understood her aversion to investing in the stock market and the volatility that we inherently face as part of equity or stock investments, she was exchanging one risk for another risk, the risk that her dollars likely would not outpace inflation or provide the growth that she might otherwise need to meet those long-term ob objectives. So this gets to another mistake that we often see investors make, and that is relying too much on what I call lazy investments. Lazy investments. Okay, now I'm listening, I'm taking notes. <clears throat> But what's your contact point for the other folks listening? My contact information, Bob, um, I can be reached by phone at 202-223-1179. Um, email may be the best, and that is my first name, Justin.Dean, my last name, D-E-A-N, at edwardjones.com okay do that again please <laughs> that's justin.dean at edwardjones.com thank you all righty i think it's also time andrew is it time for a break andrew the ever efficient engineer says yes it's time for a break so let's take a break listen to what nitp can do for the listeners and then we'll be back and bring it down slowly who do you trust when making your most important decisions? National Institute of Transition Planning has been the trusted source for federal retirement planning, serving new, mid-career, and pre-retirement federal employees for more than 30 years. NITP's subject matter experts bring more than 800 years of collective expertise on federal benefits, financial, transition, and estate planning. Visit NITPinc.com. That's NITPinc.com to sign up for their free monthly newsletter and information about free webinars. Are you at the mid-career stage of your federal career? Or do you plan to retire in the next five years and wonder if you are prepared for retirement? No matter what career stage you are, it's never too early to dot the I's and cross the T's. NITP now offers online open enrollment training to help you understand your federal benefits package and financial planning options with tips and tools to plan and fine-tune your retirement planning goals. Visit NITPINC.com to download the current brochure and calendar. Okay, welcome back. We're in final, what, 18 minutes, Andrew? Andrew, the efficient engineer, says yes. All righty, with that in mind, Justin, let's um, do the final lap. All right, so Bob, we've talked about knowing our destination. We've identified some common distractions and accidents as part of our, our journey as we're on vacation or otherwise preparing for retirement, which sort of like a vacation. So the last point that I would raise for our listeners is the importance of checking our progress. Now, as you go through life, you'll, you'll find it important to take a vacation now and then to escape from the pressures of work and enjoy extra time with family and friends. But as I said earlier, there's no reason really to ever give your investments a day off. So our listeners will want to do what they can to keep those investments gainfully employed, as I like to call it. So how do, how do we do that? So a couple of points here. Number one, I, I encourage investors to match the right investment with the right job. Now, now, what exactly do I do I mean by that, you ask? 
you hire an electrician to install a light fixture, you employ a plumber to clear a clogged drain, and clearly you wouldn't expect either one to work on the other's project, right? Now, in a way, Bob, this view of a division of labor, I think, is similar to how you might look at different investments. Let me explain. In, in general, you purchase stocks with the hope of achieving the growth necessary to help you meet long-term goals like retirement. On the other hand, when you purchase certain fixed investments, such as a CD or certi certificate of deposit, maybe a money market fund or interest-bearing account, you know they won't provide as much growth potential, but they are available to fund a short-term goal, such as a dream vacation. So I would encourage our listeners and, and investors alike to make sure that all of the investments that we hold, whether TSP, perhaps those in an IRA, maybe a brokerage account, those investments are truly aligned with the right job. All righty, very good. We've got some email questions um, that came in. Let me just, uh, this one's um, spot on, I think. Why is there not enough emphasis on one's spending habits? Society has a FOMO, whatever that is, mentality. So what's your response to that? Yeah, so Bob, we FOMO is the fear of, of missing out. And I'm afraid in today's um, con consumer's world, uh, we are faced with a, a, a generation of people who want what they want when they want it. And fortunately, and perhaps unfortunately, with the, the ease of, of credit, investors and consumers alike are able to purchase goods and services that they otherwise really can't afford. So it's interesting when I talk about the importance of a budget in our seminars, Bob, I find with a show of hands that about 50% of those participants will maintain a budget, while 50% simply do not. Now, many of uh, investors will claim um, very simply that they just don't like to be told what to do with their money. And a budget can seem very restrictive, but I find that a budget or cash flow analysis not only allows an investor to make certain commitments as they think about what they might want to do with their money, but it really provides some good clarity for them to understand what they have, how they make day-to-day -day decisions with their dollars. So a couple of things in closing, I, I would encourage everyone, regardless of where they are in their financial planning endeavors, at least once a year, you might want to sit down and simply track what your average monthly spending has been over the course of the previous six to 12 months. Now, Bob, this includes both fixed and variable expenses. And if there's one takeaway that I would encourage everyone uh, to, to learn from today's uh, broadcast is you need to know your number right? What is that average monthly spending figure? And that not only gives us some clarity about our current financial position, but it's pretty simple. We only have three things that we can do with our money. One, we can spend it. Some of us obviously are, are better at that than others, especially those who may have FOMO. Um, we can save our money, whether with, whether in regards to short-term savings or emergency reserves, as well as retirement, and we can otherwise give our money away. So to, to our listeners' question, um, yes, there is not a lot of emphasis placed on making good spending decisions and developing habits, but I think it really starts with understanding 
what those decisions are. I appreciate that question. Okay, we got um, we got another one. The savings rate, or did I just read this? The savings rate for average American is very low. Shouldn't one build an emergency fund to investing in mutual funds? In other words, is this a six-month emergency fund? Uh, is that appropriate for today? Wow, what a great question. So according to the CFP board, one of the greatest mistakes that investors make is that they do not maintain adequate cash reserves. So I really appreciate this question and that it reminds me, regardless of if we're in our working years and certainly in our retirement years, the importance of emerging uh, of emergency reserves and savings is paramount. So, you know, people are kind of funny with their cash and savings. Bob, some people need a lot of cash to feel comfortable. Others may not necessarily need that much cash, especially in a low interest rate environment. But a pretty good rule of thumb for our listeners, for a working investor, we will generally recommend that you maintain some three to six months worth of spending in an interest bearing or high yield savings account. Now, Bob, let's get technical for just a moment. Despite last year's challenges in the market, one of the silver linings is that the Federal Reserve has now raised interest rates 10 times since March of last year. Well, what does that really mean? Well, the good news is investors are now earning some 4 to even 5% on their cash and their emergency reserves. Now, one quick tip in closing, there is a helpful resource that we can turn to. There is a website called www.depositaccounts.com. I'll say that again, www.depositaccounts.com. This is sponsored by LendingTree, a popular lender and financial institution. It actually tracks the average annual percentage yield across various banks and online savings accounts. So many advisors in my seat will recommend that, Bob, if you're not earning at least 4% on your cash, you may want to consider moving that to a more appropriate place. Very good. And here's a, here's a question that follows up, I believe, what you were just talking about. And here we go. One of the reasons that the stock market has been going up was due to newfound appetite by senior citizens. By all accounts, they're investing up to 70 to 80% in stocks. Is that a warning sign that the stock market is bubbly? Wow, what a good question. Now, I, I wish I could really answer that, but you know as well as I do, Bob, none of us can truly predict the direction of the stock market or interest rates, right? Now, thankfully, despite what was a rather brutal bear market that lasted nearly a year and a half, as we saw a 20% downturn from the high of January 2022. Thankfully, to your listeners' question, we have begun to see some optimism reflected in the stock market and among investors. The S&P is up, S&P 500, a popular benchmark uh, that tracks large U.S. companies, has expanded and increased by some 25% since October of last year. Now, that may be due to increased spending among consumers and investors, but um, I believe this has a whole lot to do with one word, and that is inflation. Now, inflation has been on the minds of investors for now a couple of years. And although inflation is still quite high, Bob, it has seemingly peaked. 
Now, it's certainly not coming down nearly as fast as investors had hoped for or the markets would like. But as um, investors track the consumer price index, as we have started to see those numbers fall, we are beginning to see the markets rise. Now, we still got a ways to go before we began to see a true rebound and recovery materialize in the market. But most experts feel that as investors continue to see a more consistent downward trajectory of those inflationary figures, we should continue to see uh, growth and expansion in the market. Now, that won't be without some bumps in the road, as we say, and volatility, um, but at least we're headed in what appears to be the right direction. Okay, one more question. Crushing medical debt is turning Americans, uh, not against their doctors, but uh, a closer look at medical issues. Now, with regards to investing, you can invest in funds, if I'm not mistaken, that would be medically oriented. And if we had to take it out, we have to take it out, but if we don't have to take it out, it would be invested in something going up in value. Or am I just in the Saturday morning quarterback? <laughs> so this is a, another good question. I immediately think about the importance of the health savings account. Uh, which many of our listeners are actively contributing. This is one of the many benefits provided to our federal government employees, which allows them to contribute dollars before tax. So for our tax professionals out there, Bob, this helps us to reduce our overall taxable or gross income. And of course, all of those dollars grow tax deferred. Now, the good news is, Bob, as long as we use those dollars either now and or in retirement for qualified medical expenses, those withdrawals or distributions are indeed tax-free. Now, something that is often overlooked for the retired investor, believe it or not, in retirement, we can certainly pursue penalty-free withdrawals from those HSA accounts, even if those dollars are used for non-medical expenses. Now, this would look and feel a whole lot like a withdrawal from your TSP or perhaps a traditional IRA. So I think the HSA is, is one of a number of strategies that investors can consider. Now, the last thing I would say to this point in closing is that healthcare, medical, and dental expenses are certainly one of the highest expenses incurred by the average retired investor. Research suggests that the average married couple will spend more than $10,000 a year for those qualified medical expenses. So it is important that our listeners, as part of their financial planning endeavors, that they think about not only those potential risks, especially in their later retirement years, but as I mentioned earlier, they recognize that due to inflation, those expenses will only continue to increase and rise in, in cost. All right, could you do me a favor? And then I have to take a quick break out here. I'm getting a high sign from somebody, but your phone number. And then I'm going to come Absolutely. back in about a minute. Okay, I'll be back in about a minute. Great. My phone number, 202-223-1179. So, Bob, as we think about closing comments, I would also remind our listeners um, to ask for help when needed. Get a second opinion. You know, most of our listeners are actively funding their TSPs. They may have a significant portion of their retirement savings held in this particular plan. A second opinion can go a long way to ensure that they are confident 
and comfortable with their plan. Many financial advisors and even advisory firms do offer complimentary consultations. Um, this can be a, a nice and effective way to, to get that feedback, even without necessarily having to engage in a working and professional relationship uh, with that individual or that advisory firm. Now, in closing, I would also encourage our listeners to think about one final point that I'll raise, and that is, as we think about the normal volatility of the market, perhaps the implications of a rebound and recovery, maybe the recession that we continue to hear about, I will encourage investors to think about three simple questions before they make adjustments. Number one, what is my investment objective? In other words, what do I want to accomplish? Number two, what is my risk tolerance, which we talked about earlier? In other words, my comfort level with some of those normal fluctuations and or declines. And then lastly, what is my time horizon? Now, that's a pretty simple question, but I think, Bob, that can go a long way to ensure that our listeners are not making short-term decisions with long-term dollars. I hope that's helpful. Very helpful. Andrew says, uh, we're about done. So how does somebody again get in touch with you? The best way, Bob, would be email. That's justin.dean at Edward Jones. And I'll wish all of our listeners uh, a, a very fun and enjoyable summer. Have a plan. Let's stick to it. All righty. Thank you very much. Let's do this again. All right. Thank you, Bob. Andrew, thank you. Justin, thank you. Listeners, thank you. And we'll be back next week at the same time. You've been listening to For Your Benefit, presented by NITP and sponsored by WEPA. Please tune in next Monday at 10 a.m. for a topic solely devoted to you, the federal employee. This show can also be heard on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search For Your Benefit. Thanks for listening.